0: This is the truth. When we follow after God, life just doesn't make much sense. It's simply not true that we have hope for life beyond this life, that choices we make now matter for eternity, that abundant life is found in following Jesus, that we were created to live in relationship to God. But before anything, you must know that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. Many people I know have this philosophy, Believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that we can truly discover our destinies if we follow after God. Whether you believe it or not, this is the truth. You should know that I believe exactly the opposite. This is the truth. Whether you believe it or not, if we follow after God, we can truly discover our destinies. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. Many people I know have this philosophy that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. But before anything, you must know that we were created to live in relationship to God, that abundant life is found in following Jesus, that choices we make now matter for eternity. We have hope for life beyond this life, It's simply not true that life just doesn't make much sense when we follow after God. This is the truth.
1: So church family, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that in these moments we get to be in awe of your word, in awe of Jesus. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock. You are our Lord. You are our Redeemer. Amen. Have you heard about artificial intelligence? There is ChatGPT and now there is Bard made by Google. Just a, a quick show of hands. How many have heard of AI? Okay, okay. I saw a 60 Minutes documentary of it, you know, just this last week, and actually signed up for Bard to be on the wait list, just to, you know, give a test whirl. And and Bard's pretty incredible. In fact, on 60 Minutes, uh, they asked some Christian questions, and uh, they asked Bard, if you could sum up the New Testament, uh, what would the summary be? I want you to see if Bard's a theologian. Here's what Bard came up with. The New Testament is the story of God's love for humanity, which was revealed through Jesus Christ. How's Bard doing? He's pretty good, isn't he? That's amazing. Uh, in fact, uh, this is changing the game for academics. Um, I heard recently that uh, professors cannot track if papers were written by Bard because there's no plagiarism that they can find. It's unique. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, it could uh, get in the way of future jobs. It could create new assistance for other people. And, and what it reminds me of, though is our quest to get better, our quest for advancement, and even our quest for knowledge. And if AI makes me sound smarter or even be smarter, well, then maybe it has some value. Have you ever been on the quest for knowledge? Okay, apart from AI. You ever thought real hard about where you're going to go to college, what classes you're going to take for graduate school, what trades you were going to consider? Do you think about that for your kids? Like, I hope they're getting X, Y, and Z. I hope they have X, Y, and Z. Maybe you think about that for a job. You're like, well, if I was only under the CEO, this boss, then maybe I'd learn some things. It's why we listen to TED Talks or talk radio. It's why we read books, because we want knowledge. In fact, the value of wisdom should not be understated. Wisdom in today's economy means a lot. And even the Bible confirms this. So, The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, wrote about wisdom, and here are some of his words. He said, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. And isn't it true that when we meet people who are truly wise, it's like there's honor there. It's like they're wearing garland. It's like, man, I'm just thankful that I could hear today because you have true wisdom. In fact, it even says that you'll be exalted. And so promotions are based on wisdom and a higher place sometimes based on what you know and how much you know. And this is just the way the world works. But the interesting thing is that when it comes to the ideologies of the world, they usually stand in complete opposite of the ideologies of God. And that's our first fill-in. I just want you to consider that worldly wisdom is often the opposite of God's wisdom. And never is this more seen than when you're a teenager. (laughs) You remember your teen world? (laughs) What your friends were all about? Did you hear about what teens did in Chicago recently? So so there was a a mob, right? And, and, And they were smashing things and they were beating up people. And you wonder, like, how in the world is that ever a good idea? Like, how does this end well? But that's the power of peer pressure, isn't it? And the mob mentality. And when everyone's saying the same thing, it now starts sounding like a good idea, even when maybe it's not. In fact, apart from teenagers, uh, we have kind of a collective morality in America apart from God. And the collective morality kind of sounds like this. That I can do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want, as long as no one gets hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? Has that seeped through anyone, anyone? Uh, I can do what I want, when I want, with, as long as no one gets hurt. But you, you know why that's foolish? When I do what I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, someone always gets hurt and so that's why i love coming to this place and just seeing you guys you guys are beautiful by the way it's it's awesome to see you it's really good it's like greeting you it's good to see your face and one of the things i just love is because we get to gather and we get to talk about how the week was but most of all we get to hear from god our savior our redeemer the one who loves us first and best And when we do that often enough, we gain what is called discernment. And discernment is so important. In fact, I want to give you a definition for Christian discernment. It is the difference between God's thoughts and the world's thoughts. And and you get around God long enough and you start picking out, no, 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 that isn't what God said. (laughs) In fact, um, I, I remember doing this in Access class. I don't know if I have any former students in Access class. Anyone? Yes! Awesome. Pastor Jeff has taken over. I miss him, but he's doing a great job. Uh, But uh, sometimes I pop in. Well, we used to have this practice called What's Wrong With That Pop Song? Now, parents, just so you know, I chose judiciously. We didn't pick every song, okay? There was a lot of Taylor Swift involved. Anyway, so I chose judiciously trying to say, okay, what is Taylor saying different than what God is saying? Like even right now, I heard one on karma. How is your idea of karma different than what you've read in the Bible and know from God? And the reason we do this is because we know that if they're not hearing it from Taylor Swift, they're hearing it from their buddy at the locker, they're hearing it uh, from the sports team that they're a part of, they're hearing it at the job they go to, and they need to learn what God says. But it's not just important for teens, is it? As adults, when we watch the news, when we are on social media, when we're talking at the water cooler or talking with our neighbors, we need to always be asking ourselves, what is the difference between what I just heard and what God said? Because if I don't have discernment, I'm going to be found a fool. And foolishness has consequences, doesn't it? You ever learn that in life? foolishness in front of God has eternal consequences so we cannot be found a fool so what do we learn from God well one of the opposite principles I'm so excited to hear Pastor Jeff's sermon next week it's going to be awesome please come back it's about how when we live life it's not about doing what we want it's about bearing a cross it's about losing our life to really find life by serving other people that's what it's going to be about We've already heard on Easter God's opposite wisdom that when the world looks on death, they see defeat, they see loss. When we look on death as believers, we find victory, we find gain. Last week, if you were here, another awesome sermon, we heard that when the world looks on weakness, they say, Oh man, you should really get strong. But no, 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 we boast in our weakness as Christians, because it exemplifies the almighty strength of God and we're reminded that we need a humble dependence on God, not an over-dependence on self and conceit to truly live this life. And so we've been considering this upside-down life, this opposite way, and today, what's really interesting is we're going to find that what God says, the, the premises of God, the world says, eh, that doesn't sound right. Now, I want to explain the context. So, Paul is writing into a a, a Greek context. He's writing to Christians in Corinth. And uh, they were influenced by Greek philosophers from the 300 B.C. He's writing about 0 A.D., 30 A.D. Um, And uh, and so, they were um, all filled with thoughts of Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. And there was this quest for wisdom in that culture. In fact, when Paul preached in another Greek town called Athens... Uh, The reaction of the intelligentsia of the day uh, was this. They said, what is this babbler trying to say? We're smarter. What are you going off about? And it's interesting because our current culture and the intelligentsia of our day will still have a similar reaction. I don't know if you've heard of Richard Dawkins. He wrote a book called The God Delusion*. And he's a man that many people in the world would say, well, he's brilliant. And yet this is what he had to say. Be thankful that you have a life and forsake your vain and presumptuous desire for a second one. <laughs> that is the opposite of what we just proclaimed on Easter. We have sure and certain hope that there is more to life than this and that we will see Jesus. And so today we're going to see how we find what true wisdom is how we hold on to it, and what the Spirit does. Let's get into it from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Feel free to open your Bibles, your worship folders. They'll be on the screen as well for you this morning. Here it is. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. These are the words we get to dwell in today. Could you say out louder to your neighbor, there is wisdom in this place. There is wisdom in this place. And it is not because of Pastor Dustin, it is because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> if I refer to the heart of hearts, do you know what I'm talking about? The heart of hearts, that was actually a term coined by Shakespeare in his play Hamlet. And he referred to actually the core of one's heart. And basically the premise is this, that there is something hidden in every one of our hearts that maybe the world doesn't see. Something that rings true that we might not even say uh, out loud to a neighbor, maybe not even our spouse. In fact, there are certain things that, that no one knows but ourselves. You know, there's a proverb that talks about how deep our heart of hearts is. Um, Consider this proverb that says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. I think of that because sometimes we hear a message um, and and it strikes something in our heart of hearts, and we're like, I got to share that. That struck something inside. We have a good friend who's like, they're listening to us, and they can draw out sometimes what our true desire is. The reason I bring this up is because just as we know our heart of hearts, so today we're talking about the heart of God. And we want to know, how do we get into his heart and understand that one? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So then, how do we know the heart of God? It's through the Spirit. And that's our first takeaway. True wisdom, knowing God's heart, is found only through the Spirit. And that's so important. Because we want to follow after the heart of God. A few weeks ago, we we sang on Palm Sunday one of my favorite songs. Because it has this line in it. That, that sticks with me over and over, year after year. This line that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. But the only true way I can align my heart with God's heart is through the Spirit. Otherwise, I have no clue. In fact, it's why I prayed earlier and I've prayed before. You know, give us your spirit that we have eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, hearts to hold him, and hands and feet that want to live out his directives. Because only the spirit makes this possible. You know, something the spirit reminds me of is a book I grew up with. I don't know if anyone else grew up with these. you remember them? Who could actually do them? Did anyone actually accomplish I remember for years trying to do these books. I was giving it like Christmas as a kid. And, and it did not catch quickly for me. And, and people told me it just had to stare long enough. I'm like, I'm staring for five minutes. People are like, well, did you try crossing your eyes? And that actually was the key. I had to like kind of cross my eyes and uncross them. And then, and if you did it, you know what happens, right? Boom. 3D image. Holy cow, a giraffe in the midst of a jungle that I didn't even see. It was pretty amazing, wasn't it? should bring these back for kids. The reason I bring this up is because this is the Bible without the Spirit. You could share your faith. You could talk about Jesus. You could hand out Bibles. But if they just have that without the Spirit, they're like, I don't see anything. I don't get it. So important is the work of the Holy Spirit. Should not be de-emphasized. Every part of the Godhead is so important. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In fact, something that Jesus said really sticks with me in the New Testament. Jesus was walking with his disciples, and I think that would have been a privilege I don't know how many of you would have liked to be a disciple walking with Jesus. Just a quick raise of hands. Like, I would like to go home and like, hey, Jesus, let's have a cup of coffee and just chat a bit. That's what the disciples had. But Jesus said this thing to the disciples that always strikes me. He said, actually, if I leave you, you're going to be better off. Which is incredible. I'm like, what? I want coffee with Jesus. How is that better? Look what he says. He says, it is good that I'm going away because unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And some of you know the story. You know that after he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven and then shortly after was Pentecost. And some of you know that story. The Holy Spirit was poured out in an incredible way. Spoken tongues, tongues of fire, beautiful sermon about Jesus and repentance and baptism is awesome the church was set on fire. 3,000 converted that day. We have the Spirit. We are the New Testament church who has the Spirit in abundance. God is still pouring out His Spirit on His people. And what a privilege that is. And so what does the Spirit help us to see? What is the wisdom that comes from the heart of God that we all need to know? Well, I need to keep the main thing the main thing. And and to talk about the main thing the Spirit will reveal, I need to talk about a class I had at seminary. So talk about wisdom. I remember a journey of eight years to become a pastor. I didn't know if I was going to make it, friends. (laughs) I didn't love school. Uh, But but I remember this one professor who made it easy on me uh, because uh, he had one point to the whole class. It was like his soapbox. And he was a really good professor, but basically if you got this, you got the class. Uh, He he tried to teach something called the Opinio Legis, and and that's Latin for the opinion of the law. And he went back to this again and again and again. Every class, like Opinio Legis was a part of it. Now, you might be wondering, what is that, Pastor? Well, thanks for asking. (laughs) The opinio legis is the opinion of the law that I can keep the law and then be right with God. We call that works righteousness. That I do something that makes God happy and that's why I'm good with him. And he says this is so ingrained in our human culture It's so much part of the fabric of our DNA spiritually that he had to go again and again to talk about we have to try to keep the law because it's so ingrained. In fact, some of this idea even weaves its way into Christian circles. That I have to do something to be right with God. I have to do something for my salvation. In certain circles, you might have an analogy like this, that when it comes to God, he provides a boat, and grace are the oars. I heard this recently. And that if we row hard enough with grace, that's what gets us to heaven. So he provides the oars, but you got to row, and that's how you get to heaven. Now, is that what the Spirit reveals? Not at all. Not at all. The reason the professor went back to this again and again and again is to say it's a lie. It's so insidious. You'll go back to it over and over and over because that's human nature. But it's not the truth. It's not the gospel. Do you know what Jesus is? He's the boat and the propeller. All you got to do is sit down. And you get in that boat by faith. And grace carries you. Grace is not something you do. Otherwise, it is not grace anymore. And this is so clear in Scripture that we can't do anything for our salvation. Just consider these words, the clarity of these words. It is by grace you have been saved through faith in this, not from yourselves. How much more does God have to like, cry out to you? It's not about your goodness. It's a gift that you don't earn. Not by works so that no one can boast. But friends, this is a struggle. This is something people stumble over again and again and again. I mean, I've had conversations numerous in the back of this church about this very concept and be like, Pastor, like, I mean, come on, I, I come from a different background, but like this just, like doesn't it lead to like just like a license for sin then? Pastor, like, I mean, you got to do something, right? Like, don't, don't you have to be a good person, though, still? Right? Like, that? I, I don't get it. And Paul says, yeah, that, that, that's how the world reacts. Paul says, you know what the message of the cross is? It's like foolishness. It doesn't make a lick of sense, this idea of grace, this gift of God for our salvation. But it's foolishness to the perishing. But to us who have the spirit, who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the question is, if it has clicked for you, or if you want it to click for you, how does it click? How does this make a lick of sense? The Holy Spirit. You know, I love what Martin Luther told about the Holy Spirit. He was describing the activity of the Holy Spirit, and he said this. He said, so I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. I can't I'd take away grace if I had to do it. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He's enlightened me with his gifts and sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. And so the Holy Spirit is the one, our next fill-in, who teaches us this greatest truth and, and the greatest of them all where everything falls or rises, is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And the New Testament says, you know what, you can't even say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. And so Paul went on and he said, man, if, (laughs) if the rulers of our day had this wisdom, Good Friday would have never happened. If the high priests and teachers of the law knew this, they wouldn't have ushered Jesus into the kangaroo court and falsely accused him, wishing for the cross. If Herod knew this, when Jesus was brought before him, he, Herod would not ask for a show or, or some magic or a miracle. No, Herod wouldn't have done that. And if Pilate knew this, and Pilate was the closest because he asked about his, his kingdom, if Pilate really dug deep into that, And understood it, what happened next would have never happened. And so Paul says, none of the rulers of the age understood it. Because if they did, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And you think of Herod's face and Pilate's face and the chief priest's face when Jesus returns as king of kings. But it's not too late for us. But today is a day to repent for all the times and all the ways we don't want Jesus to be Lord. When like the rest of the world, we want to be Lord. When like the rest of the world, we want our way, not God's way. We want our wisdom, not God's wisdom. Our thoughts, not God's thoughts. And God calls us today to see through the Spirit that his heart is way better than ours. And the gift he has for us is so much better than the way that we would create, even though it's foreign. And so he reminds us once again, we just receive this gift of grace through Jesus Christ because by it you have true peace. By it you have certain hope. By it you have the forgiveness of sins that is not going away because it's always with you. Jesus has overcome and so you overcome as well. That's what we get through the Spirit. And if the Spirit gives us all of this, the natural thing to do is then crave more of the Spirit, to crave to be taught more and more, not just the main thing, but all the things of God. And so let's talk about that a little bit. My daughter Bella took the ACTs recently. I don't know if you remember that. Things have changed a little bit since I was in high school, though, because I think universities use most of their budget just to send out junk mail. There are a lot of universities in this country. Do you know that? We have like a stack of letters like this high from like, I didn't even remember some states in this country exist, but I know a university is there now, right? I want you to imagine that you or someone you love got a letter that offered a full ride to MIT. Okay, just think of that hypothetically. You have a full ride for you or someone you love to one of the most prestigious universities, MIT. How would you feel? Would you use it? Like, even if you don't have that in your mind to, like, become an engineer or or whatever, like, the offer to learn at one of the best universities is probably pretty compelling, right? Right? a full ride, or take your pick, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, I don't know, University of Chicago, there we go. Um, A full ride to these these institutions. Man, that could make or break a life. That'd be awesome, right? But we have a perception problem, and it's common, so I I don't want to pick on you. I love you guys. I'm there with you. We have a perception problem. You know why we have a perception problem? Because every day we live as Christians, we are offered a free ride to a superior university and we don't even view it that way. Every day we live, we have been given Bibles. In fact, we had them out for free. And sometimes the way the world works, we would rather learn from an MIT professor and be there and study so hard than hear and glean the truths of God Almighty as the Holy Spirit teaches us. Why is that? But it's not new. It's not a new idea. In fact, when Jesus was operating, he told this parable about a rich man and poor Lazarus. And and the rich man, by worldly standards, was wise because he had all that he needed. But if you know the story, you know that he actually ends up a fool because for all eternity he is separated from God and he's in hell. And the rich man has a clever idea to change his family line so that they do it very differently. And his clever idea, he's talking to Abraham in this story. He says, I know what will do it. Send Lazarus back. They all know Lazarus. Send him from the dead, and then they'll believe. I'll never forget the response. Some of you know it. Do you know what Abraham said? Lazarus isn't going to go back. You know why? They have Moses and the prophets. Now, what is that a reference to? That's the word of God, friends. He's referencing scripture. They have what God uses to change hearts, lives, eternities. That's what he uses. So let him listen to them. (laughs) He goes, I know Father Abraham. No, no, no. If If they get wowed into the kingdom, if someone goes back from the dead, they will repent. And he said, no, no, no. If they don't listen to the scriptures, Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And maybe you've had this thought for someone you love. God, if you would just do a miracle, I don't know, write a message in the sky, give them a feeling, change their life, I don't know. And the resounding answer is, I I choose a way to work. It's pretty simple. It's pretty accessible, but please don't overlook it. I choose to use my word. And so if you want to be wise as a Christian and operate under the authority of the king, then true wisdom is not despising the simple way that God promises to work. And I'm not saying scripture is simple. I'm not saying the sacraments are simple. I'm just saying it's easy to overlook them. And this is so important because today is new member welcome. And I'm so excited to see you guys. So excited to have new church family members. But by the way, that doesn't mean I don't like our old church family members. Okay? Just so you know. You're all dear in our hearts. But something that Pastor Jeff and I do, and we're not perfect people, but we're radical about, we actually care and want the best for you. My dream is that the ministry of this church would be the best season of your faith life. That whatever flame of faith God has given, because of the ministry of the word and the sacrament, it would go into a huge conflagration, and you'd be like, wow, this journey with Jesus is just awesome. But if that's going to happen, I need to to give some advice. Are you ready for some advice, old and new? Novelty wears off. It's not going to be new for that long. Pastor Dustin is very imperfect. Pastor Jeff is much better. But anyway, we wear off. And you get sick of our jokes and illustrations. Let's be honest. But if I could set you up for success, I would set you up this way and I would tell you, but if you come hungry to hear God's word with an expectant heart that scripture will be taught and scripture will be revealed, then you will be set up for success because I promise you that you will hear God's voice here and the word will be proclaimed and the word will have honor. If you want your faith to grow, then I want you to have hungry hearts whenever we have a chance to have the Lord's Supper like we do today and receive the true body and true blood for our forgiveness to be set free once again in such a powerful way. I know I called it simple. That's not simple at all. To remember our baptisms, to celebrate any baptism as the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit because this is what God is doing to make people alive. And when we don't despise these things that maybe have been common but are truly uncommon, it is then that we continue to grow and say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you continue to work. Thank you that regardless of the environment, I have learned, I have learned the secret of true knowledge and it's just humbly accepting how you're going to work in my life. And a final thought before we go. The final thought on our quest for wisdom is about becoming a child. You know, our world will always have different philosophies. It was true at the time of Paul. At Paul's time, they were struggling with Epicureanism versus Stoicism. Eat, drink, and be happy, or should I give up everything? They're struggling with the origins of the world. And Aristotle talked about a prime mover. They, they talked about wisdom through the allegory of the cave, Plato, and, and getting insight, like coming out of a cave. Today, we're still wondering, you know, how did we get here? And what is the purpose of life, the pursuit of happiness? What should we do? And Jesus reminds us it's not that hard. We heard in our first lesson, here's what you need to do. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And ours is to have humble hearts that takes what God says seriously. And when we do that, we will have simple truths that confound philosophers. A newbie in the faith empowered by the word of God knows how we got here in the origins of the earth. They open to the very first chapter in the very first verse and they say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, the discussion's over. <laughs> That wasn't even a long dialogue. A in the faith can read God's word, understand just a few lines of the New Testament, and understand how to live life. You know how to live life? Love. A babe in the faith knows that. Love. That's what Jesus said. A newbie in the faith is not wrestling of the afterlife. Well, what happens afterlife? Is there karma? Is there reincarnation? Where do I go? I don't know. No. They hear the simple Easter message and say, Well, Jesus rose, so guess what? I'm gonna rise. I'm going to be with him. And if you want to stay wise in every age, and you want to have a rock-solid confidence in who God is, then I encourage you to graduate to superior wisdom by having the faith of a child. I don't even have to understand or explain to you all these truths because what God said will always prevail. And so I encourage you, Honor the way God works. Get into the Bible. I encourage you to continue to practice Christian discernment in our age. What is the difference between God's thoughts and the world's thoughts? And finally, we praise God that through the Spirit we can confess Jesus. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good man. He is our Lord, and he will reign. May God bless you with this wisdom. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, at this time we just confess uh, what wisdom is through uh, the lens of the Apostles' Creed. Who God is, what God has done. Uh, Feel free to join with us if you'd like to confess your faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary,